48K News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Sean Kennedy. Tonight's headlines. Ousted lawmaker Sixtus Leung says he's fled the SAR and is seeking asylum in the United States. The chief executive says the first batch of COVID-19 vaccines will arrive in Hong Kong next month and media tycoon Jimmy Lai is charged with a national security offence. Ousted lawmaker Sixtus Leung says he's seeking political asylum in the United States. In a statement, the former Youngspiration member said after being Ill- illegitimately deprived of his representation and voting rights, he'd been bankrupted, imprisoned and harassed under the national security law. Mr Leung was ousted from LegCo following the oath-taking saga in 2016. He served four weeks in prison earlier this year after being convicted of taking part in an unlawful assembly while trying to push his way into a LegCo meeting four years ago. He also faces bankruptcy proceedings after LegCo demanded that he return almost $1 million in salary and other funding that he received prior to his disqualification. Hong Kong's last colonial governor, Chris Patton, says the Chinese Communist Party is destroying a great free city, which has been a great success story through its balance between free speech, free media, free movement of capital and the rule of law. He said the Chinese Communist Party was destroying most of these things. He said Beijing was terrified of the sort of free society that Hong Kong had been. He also said the the Chinese Communist Party hated the values of open societies and the rest of the world. Chief Executive Carrie Lam says the government has secured 15 million doses of COVID-19 vaccine, half from mainland company Sinovac and the rest from drug makers Pfizer and BioNTech. Jimmy Choi reports. Carrie Lam said at a government press conference that the first one million doses from Sinovac will arrive in Hong Kong in January, and a million from Pfizer and BioNTech will be delivered during the first quarter of next year. She said the administration is also finalising an agreement with AstraZeneca, which is developing another coronavirus vaccine with Oxford University for 7.5 million jabs, some of which will hopefully be sent to Hong Kong in the second half of 2021. With double doses needed for the vaccines, the government will need to buy more from a fourth manufacturer, she added, without saying which company this would be. Mrs Lam also brushed aside concerns about the quality of mainland vaccines. Don't get involved in politics. Uh, Look at it in a totally uh, depoliticised perspective. This is about science. This is about evidence. The experts will look at it. The CE said priority for the first doses will be given to vulnerable groups. She added that she hopes most Hong Kong people will be inoculated during the course of next year. An infectious diseases expert, Dr. Wilson Lamb, says the vaccination prob- program probably, sorry, won't only work to protect the entire population in Hong Kong unless 70% of people get the jabs. I know that some people might feel a little bit unsafe to have uh, some of these uh, new vaccines, especially some of these vaccines are made in a brand new platform. And also some people might also have uh, concern on the vaccines from, like, for example, mainland China as well. So I have some concerns whether people would be reluctant to get the jabs. But given that uh, we have more and more data coming out. I think the public should also trust those data and that uh, the vaccines are actually safe. The government says everyone flying into Hong Kong from anywhere but mainland China must stay at one of 36 designated hotels starting from December the 22nd. Passengers will be tested at the airport and brought directly to the hotels, which will have no other guests other than those observing a quarantine. Candace Wong reports. 
The new arrangements take effect from December 22nd. Everyone flying into Hong Kong from anywhere but mainland China must stay at one of the 36 designated hotels. Passengers will be taken directly to their hotels after undergoing coronavirus tests at the airport. They would no longer just be given specimen bottles, but must submit to nose and throat swaps immediately, starting next Tuesday, to increase the accuracy of the test results. Meanwhile, a special team will will be assigned to supervise and patrol the hotels. Civil Service Secretary Patrick Nip said around 12,000 rooms are available and 80% of them will cost less than $1,000 a night. It should be uh, enough to uh, accommodate uh, the demand. But of course, if necessary, we could increase the number of designated hotels. Those who complete their two-week quarantine would still be required to take another coronavirus test five days afterwards. You're tuned to RTHK. The time is coming up to five minutes past 11. Pro-democracy activist and media tycoon Jimmy Lai has been charged under the national security law with colluding with foreign forces. As Priscilla Ng reports, police say he's due to appear before the West Kowloon Magistracy tomorrow. Jimmy Lai is the fourth person and the most high profile so far to be charged under the national security law which Beijing imposed on Hong Kong at the end of June. The tycoon is already behind bars after he was denied bail earlier this month for fraud charges in relation to the lease of Next Digital's headquarters in Shengkwano. The goal is to hold Jimmy Lai and shut Jimmy Lai up, his associate Mark Simon told the Reuters news agency. Article 29 of the National Security Law sets out how collusion offences of a grave nature can lead to life imprisonment. The first person charged under the National Security Law was 23-year-old Tong Ying Kit, who allegedly drove a motorbike into police while flying a pro-independence flag on July the 1st. He's accused of terrorism and secession. The second person was Tony Chung, who was charged with secession for comments he allegedly made on social media. And the third was food delivery driver Ma Chun Man, who is accused of inciting secession by shouting pro-democracy slogans. Teenage activist Tony Chung has been found guilty of desecrating the national flag and unlawful assembly during a confrontation between rival groups at the LegCo protest area in May last year. He'll be sentenced later this month. Here's Francis Sitt. The 19-year-old appeared calm as he heard the verdict at Eastern Court, shouting, Hong Kongers, hold on, as he was escorted away from the courtroom packed with supporters. The court heard that scuffles broke out between pro-government and pro-democracy demonstrators on May the 14th, 2019, as lawmakers vetted the now-scrapped extradition bill. The former leader of the pro-independence group Student Localism was said to have snatched a national flag from pro-government supporters, detaching it from its pole. Magistrate Peony Wong refused to accept the teenager's defense that he did not know the cloth was a national flag, saying it was impossible for him not to see the bright colored stars on the flag, which was being waved quite high. The defense had argued that someone had waved a red cloth close to him, and he moved it away from his face. The magistrate also rejected claims that the defendant threw the cloth and the flagpole away for fear they would be used as weapons, adding that the snatching of the flag had disrupted order in a public place. The activist faces a maximum sentence of three years in jail. Sentencing was adjourned to December the 29th, while he remains in custody ahead of his national security trial. Former Democratic Party lawmaker Ted Hoy, who's now living in exile in Britain, says the authorities are trying to sweep away any opposition. 
this is very alarming to the world that Hong Kong activists and also journalists are so oppressed, so suppressed. So now people like Tony Chong, a teenager, and people like Jimmy Lai at the 70s, they are no exceptions. So the regime is trying to eliminate all oppositions, all dissidents, throwing them all to jail. Bloomberg is reporting that one of its journalists has been detained in Beijing on suspicion of endangering national security. Priscilla Ng reports. Bloomberg says the journalist, Hayes Fan, worked out of its Beijing bureau. The outlet said she was seen being escorted from her apartment building by security officials on Monday. Ms. Fan identifies herself as a business reporter on her Twitter page. A spokesperson for the news agency said it is very concerned about the case and it has been actively speaking to Chinese authorities to better understand the situation. In its report on the arrest, Bloomberg quoted mainland authorities as saying, Chinese citizen Ms. Fan has been detained by the Beijing National Security Bureau according to relevant Chinese law on suspicion of engaging in criminal activities that jeopardize national security. The case is currently under investigation. No further details were given about the alleged offences. A Taiwanese news channel, Chongtin Television, or CTI-TV, which has criticised the administration of President Tsai Ing-wen, is to go off the air at midnight. Taiwan's opposition says this could have a chilling impact on press freedom. The BBC's Cindy Shea reports. The media watchdog NCC accuses the channel of disproportionate and unsubstantiated reporting and its major shareholder, a tycoon with investments in China, of interfering in its editorial independence. CTI TV and other critics of the decision, however, argue the channel is no different than many media in Taiwan, which have their political leanings. They say the decision is politically motivated and is aimed at silencing one of the government's most vocal critics. The government is proposing a ban on a type of processed oil that's the main source of trans fats in our diets to try to reduce the risk of heart problems in the population. Partially hydrogenated oils, or PHOs, are commonly used in products like margarine, pastries and even coffee creamers. But officials say we won't have to go without because there are PHO-free versions of these goods. Natalie Ching reports. The ban is being proposed as part of a three-month public consultation on amendments to the harmful substances in food regulations. PHOs, along with eight other food substances deemed harmful to health, are being targeted for possible bans. The controller of the Center for Food Safety, Edwin Choi, believes a ban on PHOs is needed to safeguard public health, saying trans fats increase bad cholesterol in one's blood and significantly increase the risk of coronary heart disease. And the good news is you don't necessarily have to give up pastries or biscuits. Recently, there are lots of margarine and shortening they can produce by another manufacturing method. That PHO is not contained. They have been PHO-free margarine and shortening. So for members of public who are going to buy cooking oil from the market, which is in a liquid form, I think the PHO issue is not a major concern to them. But for prepackaged food, this is one of the um, regulatory measures we want to implement. He urged traders who procure prepackaged foods from overseas to find out if their goods contain PHOs. Officials said the amendments are in line with the World Health Organization's goal in eliminating trans fats from global food supply by 2023. Countries such as the United States, Canada, Thailand and Singapore have already banned PHOs. The government has also proposed setting a limit on how much mycotoxin food products can contain. Experts say ingesting these toxic chemical products can lead to liver cancer. They are also hoping to limit the presence of aflatoxins in tree nuts, peanuts and dried fruit.
The Open University of Hong Kong says it will be renamed Hong Kong Metropolitan University after a public consultation exercise. Priscilla Ng reports. University President Wong Yuk-shan said with Hong Kong being a vibrant international metropolitan city, the name is suitable for the institution. He said the new title's neutrality should also be good for the university's expansion going forward. So this name, Metropolitan University, it could be very inclusive to include everything. It's sort of expandable. In future, the mission, the trend, or the direction of the university may evolve. This name would not limit our future expansion. He said it is time for a change because the current name often causes the misunderstanding that it only offers distance learning classes, while in fact 10,000 students are enrolled in its full-time degree programs and its staff conduct international research projects. Professor Wong said they expect the legislature to approve the name change within a year. Several banks in Hong Kong say they've received record subscription applications for the latest batch of the government silver bond. Only Hong Kong people who are 55 or over can apply for the bonds, which pay a minimum interest rate of 3.5%. HSBC, one of the placing banks, says their subscription amount is five times more than last year. The Bank of China, Hong Kong, also reported a record number of people applying. And Standard Chartered and Hang Seng Bank also reported keen interest. The bonds are expected to be issued on December 22nd. To sports now and football with a look ahead to this weekend's action in the English Premier League, here's the BBC's John Bennett. The Manchester United have no time at all to dwell on their hugely disappointing Champions League exit. Just days after losing 3-2 to RB Leipzig to crash into the Europa League, they have a Manchester derby which could, if it goes badly, pile more pressure on manager Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. After 10 games, Manchester City are one point behind United, who secured a first league double over City in a decade last season. City manager Pep Guardiola has ruled out starting Sergio Aguero, despite his goal-scoring return from injury on Wednesday versus Marseille. Elsewhere, Chelsea are looking to extend their 17-match unbeaten run in all competitions when they meet Everton, who have only won one of their last seven games. Premier League leaders Tottenham are aiming to follow up their 2-0 win over Arsenal against a Crystal Palace side that scored five goals against West Brom last weekend. And champions Liverpool are away to 17th place Fulham. Meanwhile, can Arsenal finally get out of their rut in the Premier League? They've lost three of their last four top-flight games. They've only scored 10 goals in their 11 matches so far. This weekend, they take on struggling Burnley, who have only won once so far this season. And a reminder of our top stories tonight. Ousted lawmaker Sixtus Leung says he's fled the SAR and is seeking asylum in the United States. The chief executive says the first batch of COVID-19 vaccine will arrive in Hong Kong next month. And media tycoon Jimmy Lai is charged with a national security offence. The news from RTHK. RTHK Radio 3. It's time now to look at stories covered in this evening's News Wrap programme. Chief Executive Carrie Lam says the government has secured 15 million coronavirus vaccine doses, half from mainland firm Sinovac and the rest from Pfizer and BioNTech. A million shots from the mainland company are expected to arrive next month, while the Pfizer-BioNTech ones are scheduled to be delivered sometime in the first quarter. The government is also trying to procure more vaccines from other firms with the aim of inoculating the majority of people in Hong Kong by the end of 2021. RTHK's Anna-Marie Evans spoke to Dr Wilson Lam, a specialist in infectious diseases at Glen Eagles Hospital, Hong Kong. She asked him if we're getting the first vaccines earlier than he'd expected. 
Yes, I think it is a little bit earlier than uh, uh, we expected because uh, so uh, sometimes government has been late in some of these uh, uh, measures, and but for this one for the vaccine uh, purchase, it seems that uh, we are at least uh, in one of the few places that we are going to start our vaccine uh, early next year. So it's a little bit earlier than we expected before. Now, are you worried that some people may be reluctant to get the jabs because of safety concerns? Yes, indeed, I have this worry because the most important thing about the success of vaccine, whether it's going to work, is uh, whether a significant proportion of people are uh, injected with the vaccine because we need the immunity or we need the herd immunity, so to speak. Because we know that uh, we need about 60 to 70 percent of uh, people of the whole population to get vaccinated before we can get that uh, herd immunity. And I know that some people might feel a little bit unsafe to have uh, some of these uh, new vaccines, especially some of these vaccines are made in a brand new uh, platform in terms of like vaccine uh, technology. And also some people might also have uh, concern on the vaccines from like, for example, mainland China as well. So I have some concerns whether uh, people would be reluctant to get the jabs. So, but um, given that uh, we have more and more data coming out. I think the public should also uh, listen to the, the, all this data or opinion from our government that uh, if we have enough data, we, we should uh, trust those data and that uh, the vaccines are actually safe. Carrie Lam said the government hopes to inoculate the majority of the public within the following year, so within the next year. Is that an ambitious target? I think it's actually quite ambitious because we are talking about few million people. So I know the government has said uh, last week or the week before that they aim to vaccinate about three million people, Hong Kong citizens, uh, by next year. Uh, although that's for three million, it's actually less than uh, 50%. So uh, uh, as I said before, uh, we should target about 60 to 70% if we are going to get the uh, herd immunity. So the, but then 3 million is already a very ambitious target uh, based on the experience that we have regarding vaccination. For example, influenza vaccination programs, this is uh, not easy for, to vaccinate such a uh, large number of people. So Why not? It, it could be uh, because a lot of logistic reason uh, and also the not easy to, it's not just, uh, uh, it's, I mean, it is uh, easier said than done because of all these logistic involved to vaccinate so many people over uh, a few months' time. Yes, because I've heard that there's certain other vaccines, I'm not a scientist, um, but I've heard that, uh, that certain other vaccines have to stay at like, is it minus 70 degrees Celsius? Mm. So mm. how will they be transported? Is that how you mean with the logistics? Not not just that. That that's actually can be overcome. So actually because uh, I know that the vaccine provider, the, the distributor, is actually the, already secured some the, method to uh, store the vaccine uh, in such a, a condition. They actually secure a place around the airport to uh, store those vaccines in minus 70 degrees. So they, they're able to do that. 
It's just that uh, they have to use the vaccines once uh, uh, under the, in, 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 in two to eight degrees Celsius within five days. So that's a little bit of logistic uh, uh, difficulty, but it, it can be overcome. But then again, the, the difficulty the, is also the, uh, have some difficulties in arranging all the citizens to get vaccinated because it, it involves a lot of logistics to uh, arrange so many people to get vaccinated in like clinics and hospitals and other uh, centers. So it's not easy. It involves a lot of manpower as well. A lot of education, explanation uh, and the injection itself. The government says everyone flying into Hong Kong from anywhere but mainland China must stay at one of 36 designated hotels starting from December 22nd. Passengers will be tested at the airport and brought directly to the hotel, which will have no other guests other than those observing quarantine. A special team will supervise and patrol the hotels and guests also have to be tested five days after their quarantine period has ended. Roundtable lawmaker Michael Teen says he thinks the new policy should be implemented earlier than planned. He also doesn't think 12,000 rooms are enough to accommodate incoming travellers during the peak season when large numbers of students studying abroad return. He spoke to Violet Wong. I have talked to various hotel friends of mine. They all said that uh, seven days is enough uh, maximum for them to make arrangements for their current guests to go to other hotels. So therefore... Technically, this policy should actually start next Friday, all right, which would be four days uh, earlier than what the government uh, proposed today. Uh, that is the peak of the peak, that period. All right? My calculation is that during those four days, there will be about 5,000 people coming back still using their own way of uh, uh, reaching their uh, quarantine destination. Right. And I had talked this morning directly with senior officials in government asking them to start this whole policy next Friday instead of the Tuesday following that, okay, with the view of having partial hotels. You don't need 36 hotels supplying 10,000 rooms all at the same time. All right. However, uh, apparently my advice has fallen on deaf ears. And the government just announced they're going to go ahead with December 22nd. For that, I have to say I am disappointed. Today. So how many hotel rooms can be ready in this period of time, do you know? Uh, about uh, a third. A third of uh, 10,000 is about 3,000. So that should be enough for the first few days. And also, they only come up with 10,000 rooms and not 15,000. The end result is that I have... I am sure there will be people who want to come back to Hong Kong during December and that they got the plane ticket, but they couldn't get the hotel confirmation. So they have to wait for it, either resulting in cancellation of their trip or delaying for a week or two, which to me is not what I would like to see. All right. So for these two, I'm disappointed. So do you know if there's a chance for a uh second batch of designated hotels? I, I think so. I will, cons I will continue to put the pressure on. If I hear about uh, people uh, who got plane tickets and reservations but couldn't get hotels and need to wait uh, in a foreign country, all right, I would step on the gas pedal and put pressure on government to get more hotels. Yes, 
there are definitely more rooms willing than 10,000. All right, so this is not something that is completely uh, closed. The Hong Kong Toilet Association has played down concerns that coronavirus can be spread via sewage pipes at apartment buildings across Hong Kong. Some residents of a block in Richland Gardens in Kowloon Bay have been evacuated while tests have been ordered for others after experts raised concerns that the virus might have been spread through the pipes. But Association Vice Chairman Henry Young says people should be safe as long as the U-traps in their kitchens and bathrooms are in a good condition and regularly filled with water. He spoke to Violet Wong. Well, it is not really dangerous. It is actually a traditional kind of design system. We call it a one-pipe system. Actually, there are many systems, but most commonly we use in Hong Kong is the one-pipe system. Of course, there's another uh, we call two-pipe system. The difference is that one-pipe system that every discharge from the bathroom, like the toilet, from the toilet bowl, basin, bathtub, all go into the same pipeline from the top to the bottom. The disadvantage is that when there is something wrong from the mainly is the, the soil system, meaning the discharge from a human body. And we all understand that virus will change to water droplet, like a vaporize. So when people inhale this kind of air, and then people will get infected. So if this system, there's something wrong or failure, then the problem will come from the soil system mainly. So two-pipe system, which is better, that means the soil discharge will go into a single pipe, and the waste water, like basin and bathtub, will go to another but why in Hong Kong we normally use a single one-pipe system because of the space and the material and labor costs. You mentioned that most buildings in Hong Kong actually install this kind of system. So, I mean, is there any reason for people to be worried because they have the same system as Richland Gardens? Uh, yes, the worry is about the trap, mostly about the trap. The trap, there's a water seal in the trap. When this water seal broken or dried up due to weather or siphonic system in the pipeline, then the foul air will come from the soil pipe to the bathroom. So that is the most dangerous thing when we have this system in place. More now from Operation Santa Claus, our annual charity campaign co-organised with the South China Morning Post. One of this year's beneficiaries is the Tsang Pik Chan School in Ma On Shan, which has devised a unique program to bring together pupils and the community in a range of new ways. Teacher Cliff Young told Radio 3's Hugh Chiverton about the scheme called Simple Technical Self-Development. We developed this program based on the growth mindset theory. We want students to understand that just because something is not achieved yet, doesn't mean they will, uh, it will never be achieved forever. In the program, uh, there are different activities for our students to learn from different parties. Uh, for example, uh, one of the activities is called Secret Recipe. In this activity, um, students will have to learn how to cook the signature dishes um, from the elderly citizens. The most beautiful dishes they can see in the competition actually, you know, come from uh, tremendous hard work of, of the elderly. We want students to understand that um, and develop um, hardworking and positive attitudes towards learning anything. We will also train our teachers to be 
little teachers in in STEM competitions. Uh, when I say STEM competitions, I mean the solar powered car and Bristol bot competitions. Um, our students will go into the local primary schools to teach their counterparts how to assemble solar powered cars, um, how to make robots, uh, etc. Um, through this activity, we want our students to understand that mistakes are actually inevitable. I think they will apply the same mindset to their life. When they encounter some difficulties in their academic studies, they know how to adjust themselves and they will accept that this is, you know, just part of the learning journey. The last element is the English language education element. We want to recruit um, the undergraduates from the from local universities uh, who are major in English education. We want to give them some training on how to conduct effective teaching on Zoom and invite them to be the tutors of our school. When you talk to the very weak and, and shy students, one of their learning difficulties is that they are afraid of making mistakes in class. But in a small group setting, our students will be able to have genuine communication with the tutors and they will not be as stressed as they are in, in, in the classroom. Our, our students will be the major beneficiaries, of, of course. Um, they will develop a growth mindset in all these activities so they can reflect on it, they can adjust the attitude and make some adjustments to their study plan or even um, their, their life planning. Teacher Cliff Yearn, if you want to know more or wish to make a donation to Operation Santa Claus 2020, please visit the Radio 3 homepage or osc.scmp.com. Those stories were part of the Newswrap program, which was broadcast on RTHK earlier this evening. The symptoms of COVID-19 can be mild. Don't go to work or school if feeling unwell. Wear a mask and consult a doctor promptly. Ask doctors at accident and emergency departments, general outpatient clinics, private hospitals or clinics for free testing provided by the Department of Health. Return the specimen to a designated collection point or use the door-to-door -door specimen collection service for a fee. Test promptly for early detection. Radio 3 Weather. A look at the weather forecast for tonight and tomorrow. Mainly cloudy with one or two light rain patches at first. Sunny periods during the day with temperatures ranging between 19 and 25 degrees. The winds we can expect will be moderate east to northeasterlies. The outlook... Warm during the day on Sunday, with temperatures dropping significantly later during the day on Monday, with rather cool mornings on Tuesday and Wednesday. Currently, the air quality health index here in Hong Kong is moderate, with readings of 4 and 5. At the observatory, the air temperature is 21 degrees Celsius. Relative humidity stands at 86%. <laughs> To the music now, Simon Wilson sitting in for the world's most durable DJ, Uncle Ray Gadiro. Playing assorted ballads and easy listening through till one. Get your requests in 233 266 
Wonder, but it was kind of a global hit around 1985 for John Waite, Missing You. You're tuned to RTHK Radio 3, 25 minutes away from a brand new day when the world's most durable DJ turns 96 years young. Yeah, my goodness. 